Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And I hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarran's Back with the Good, the Bad, and the TV on the Believe Podcast Network, which is the number one podcast network for professionals. Let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1974. Skylab falls to Earth. Darwin, Australia falls to Cyclone Tracy. Nixon falls to Watergate. Jazz great Duke Ellington falls to Cancer. Newspaper heiress Patricia Hearst falls to the SLA. Babe Ruth falls to Hank Aaron. And in an act of both personal and professional downfall, 29-year-old Sacramento news anchor Christine Chubbuck falls to suicide. She shoots herself in the head live on the air during a broadcast. The incident becomes fodder for a movie called Network that'll come out in two years. Philippe Petit? Well, he doesn't fall at all successfully completing a high-wire walk in 1974 between the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, which later do. In 1974, the world population reaches 4 billion, most of whom live on my block in Northeast Philadelphia. A World's Fair opens in Spokane, Washington in 1974. The Universal Product Code is scanned for the first time in 1974 at an Ohio supermarket. And on an infamous summer night in 1974, also in Ohio, the Cleveland Indians host what's publicized as Tencent Beer Night for a game against the Rangers. To the surprise of absolutely no one, alcohol-fueled mayhem is the result, first in the stands and then on the field. Also to the surprise of absolutely no one, the Indians end up forfeiting the game, which does get as far as the ninth inning. Billy Joel's third album, Street Life Serenade, launches in 1974. The Entertainer is the single that it spins. The album is his follow-up to the much more successful Piano Man. Serenade goes no higher than 35th on the album charts. And John Lennon makes what will end up being his final public stage appearance in 1974 when he joins Elton John in concert at Madison Square Garden. Lennon Falls, six years later. In 1974, soon-to-be super-author Stephen King publishes his first novel. Titled Carrie, it's about a withdrawn and insecure high school student, bullied both at school and at home, fitting in in neither place. Raised on a diet of religion and repression, and a little bit of crazy, Carrie White doesn't even fit inside her own head. She reaches adolescence knowing very little about life or the world around her, period. It's a naivete that spirals out of control in what will become typical Stephen King supernatural fashion. A fiction and macabre horror story, Carrie, both the book and the character, do seem to speak to part of the reality of the day. The early 1970s is one bully of an era. Everyone feels beaten up. Everyone's fighting back. A growing and powerful female empowerment movement is one of the headlines. Women's lib, a term used both as a badge and a barb. The movement finds females of all ages marshalling forces to claim, to reclaim, 
their gender and to recalibrate women's roles in the world. It's a revolution of expectations and of assumptions. They're fighting a fight for the women of tomorrow. Actress Marlo Thomas is one of those on the front lines. In March 1974, she produces and stars in a TV special that explores gender issues, but in a very animated way, because it's a children's special. Free to Be, You and Me, ends up becoming a landmark, award-winning program, celebrated by all ages, and then for the ages. Daughter of nightclub uh, performer and TV superstar Danny Thomas, who stars in a sitcom that runs for 11 seasons in the 1950s and 1960s, Marlo Thomas is born into the entertainment business. In 1960, at age 23, she starts appearing on TV herself in various shows and in various roles, both guest spot and regular parts. As she does, the TV networks begin to eye her to star in a series of her own. In an interview years later, Thomas recalls the meetings with reps from each of the just three networks to discuss potential series ideas. At each, the shows pitched at her involve playing what she calls, quote, the daughter of somebody or the wife of somebody or the secretary of somebody. Marlo Thomas is an early second wave feminist. She'll go on to be one of the women's movement's most vocal and visible supporters in the 1970s. And she recalls that in these meetings, she eventually speaks up, asking the network reps the following question. Have you ever considered, she says, doing a show where the girl is the somebody? The result is an ABC sitcom appropriately titled That Girl, which begins in the fall of 1966. It's about 20-something aspiring actress Anne Marie living on her own in New York City, trying to launch her career. Anne is what's sometimes dismissively called at the time a career girl. But in Thomas's hands and vision, she's an independent and single girl, pursuing a job and life first, and then a husband and family maybe. In that girl, this girl, is the somebody of her own show. And it's a TV first, four years before Mary Richards comes to the primetime shores to chart an accidental trail of feminism on the Mary Tyler Moore show. There have been other unmarried working women in TV lead roles, but unlike them, Anne Marie is not part of what's called the caring professions. She's not a nurse or a school teacher or a secretary. In 1966, Anne Marie works for herself as an actress. Parenthetically, that she's referred to as a girl and that her independently single life fully involves both a boyfriend to lean on and a father to call for help, which won't be the case in four years with Mary Richards, well, that's actually just a byproduct of the times. The show can't yet overcome that. That girl, which in another rarity for women in the 1960s, Thomas also produces, runs for five successful seasons on ABC in a very fertile time for social awareness. Both the show and its star become significant pieces of the larger female empowerment puzzle being pieced together in the country. When it ends in 1971, with the Anne-Marie character engaged, but per its star's wishes still unmarried, Thomas continues to represent. She expands on her feminism and her activism, becoming one of the most identifiable faces on the literal front lines of the women's movement, among the marchers loudly calling for, among other things, 
ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. The role informs what becomes a passion project in 1972 for the actress, an album entitled Free to Be, You and Me, which she conceives and then produces in conjunction with the just-formed Ms. Foundation for Women, of which she's a founder. Thomas says the idea was informed by her longtime activism, but specifically inspired by a conversation with her sister when she, Thomas, comes across the reading choices for her young niece's bedtime reading. Books about becoming princesses and wives and other impossible or somewhat limiting options. I can't believe you're reading her the same books we grew up with, Thomas recalls saying to her sister. Didn't it take us half our lives to get over these stories? When a subsequent attempt to buy a more contemporary storybook for her niece yields nothing, Marlo Thomas decides to create her own stories in the form of the album. Aimed at both genders, it will explore in child-friendly songs the evolving thoughts on gender and individualism and choice and equality. Thomas and her collaborators, writing new material, set about creating what they call a celebration of the self, set to music. Writes Dan Coys in a 40th anniversary retrospective of the show on the Slate website, quote, From its opening sounds, the jaunty strumming of a banjo on the title track, Free to Be, You and Me, posited a world in which every boy grows to be his own man, and every girl grows to be her own woman. The land of free to be was a place where girls could grow up to be mommies and doctors, and they didn't have to be married if they didn't want to. It was a place where boys could cry or play with dolls without fear of scorn. It was a place where boys and girls could be friends, no matter what they looked like or acted like, unless the girl was a prissy princess, in which case she'd be eaten by a tiger. End quote. A wide-ranging who's who of familiar names signs on as performers for the album, from Diana Ross to Broadway star Carol Channing to MASH actor Alan Alda to the New Seekers, the group coming off the hit single spun from the Coca-Cola commercial called I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing. In words and music, they frame such abstractions as emotions and identity. One standout track former college and pro football great Rosie Greer, singing a song called It's All Right to Cry. Thomas later says, I want it free to be, to be a cushion underneath these children, something that would be a springboard to say, yes, you can, you can do it, end quote. The record sells. In fact, it ends up going gold. Two years later, a free-to-be You and Me book follows, bringing stories from the album and new material to visual, illustrated life. Among the contributors, Kurt Vonnegut and Gloria Steinem. It, too, is a bestseller. The same week that the book is published in 1974, a third incarnation of Free-to-Be airs as a one-hour special on the Thomas-friendly ABC network. Here, it finds its biggest audience and makes its biggest difference. The quasi-documentary-slash-variety show-slash-educational special incorporates elements of both the album and the book while featuring new performers and new stories, too, all with a mix of live action and animation that taps cutting-edge technology. 
from Marlo Thomas on the Free to Be website. Quote, we also created a unifying device, wise and funny baby puppets, based on the infants dreamed up for the album. The puppets would serve as continuity characters as the animation and live action moved from theme to theme. End quote. The special film during the fall and winter of 1973 in locations in and around New York. One sequence features Thomas and singer Harry Belafonte pushing strollers along the Upper East Side of New York City and acting out various jobs that mommies and daddies can do. For Slate.com, Coys reports that a Cincinnati Post headline over a wire story covering the shooting of the special reads, all sorts of weird things in special, quote unquote. As footage from Free to Be You and Me starts to turn up at ABC, reports are that a nervous network begins to rethink airing such an unusual and an unusual looking special. It's as much documentary as it is a conventional entertainment special, and it's a kid's show. But Thomas is a valued asset for the network, and ABC decides to go with the risk rather than alienating one of its biggest stars. The network, however, does, according to reports, ask Thomas that she remove two sequences. The first, an animated music video for the album track called William's Doll, about a young boy who wants a doll of his own to play with. As the actress later recounts it, quote, they told me, you're going to make every kid in America a sissy. And that's not the word they used. End quote. The other is that sequence that shows black entertainer Belafonte pushing a baby stroller alongside white Thomas doing the same. Quote, the network had a fit about that. They felt that it looked like we were married. I said, A, it doesn't look like we're married. He has his own buggy and I have my own buggy. And B, who cares? The actress persists. Both sequences stay. A toothpaste company, though, does drop out of the special over the inclusion of William's doll. But for this one-hour, socially-minded project designed to encourage a shifting of gender expectations in a post-1960s world where individuality and tolerance are being championed, the biggest contribution, literally, is made by six-foot, five-inch, 284-pound, 41-year-old former Giants and Rams defensive tackle, Rosie Greer, who performs It's All Right to Cry. Free to Be You and Me airs on March 11th and scores in the ratings, outdrawing the competition on both CBS and NBC. It goes on to win an Emmy for co-producers Marlo Thomas and Carol Hart, as well as the prestigious Peabody Award. The latter's judging board calls the show very warm, very human, and very rewarding, and says it could very well set a standard for programming of this type for years to come. It does. Free to Be the Project lives on through the generations in book and video form, in sequels, in anniversary retrospectives, in reissues, even a stage play. Free to Be the words, the expression, they transition from a novel idea to a DNA'd mantra used to invoke reminders of self-worth for both genders. Novel in 1974, necessary later. Of the many who come to attest to the 1974 special's influence, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. 
she calls free to be the simplest explanation for feminism that she knows. Quote, that notion that we should each be free to develop our own talents, whatever they may be, and not be held back by artificial barriers. Man-made barriers, certainly not heaven sent. End quote. For his 2012 retrospective on Slate.com, Quoise writes, quote, Even with all that star power, the project was, at heart, founded on some serious feminist ideology. Free to Be was shaped by the philosophies of Thomas's friend Gloria Steinem and the staff of her new magazine, Ms., particularly Letty Cotton Pogrebin, who was already using the pages of that groundbreaking publication to advocate for a new style of gender-neutral parenting. Forty years after its 1972 release, Free to Be has sold hundreds of thousands of copies, and for a generation of kids, my generation, was a cultural and social touchstone, played not just at home, but at countless schools, where its anti-sexist storytelling was eagerly adopted by progressive teachers and administrators. End quote. You gotta believe. I'm Jim McCairns. We'll talk again. It's alright cry. Crying gets the sad out of you. It's alright cry. It might make you feel better. Rain drop from your eyes. Down in the dumpy, snuggly, ugly, mean and ugly, sloppy, sappy, happy, happy, change and change and change. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.